Hello, I'm your host, Anita Inslee, and this is Decode the Secrets to Your Success, a podcast series dedicated to unveiling secrets for success in the entertainment industry and educating performers. This episode is entitled, Surviving the Professional Audition Process. My three guests today are a professional music director, a New York-based professional actor, and a professional ballet trainee. Chris Inslee is a 30-year professional music director who has worked over 65 professional regional productions across the country. He is a proud member of the American Federation of Musicians, having performed in pit orchestras for over 45 shows. Nick Inslee is a professional actor who resides in New York City. He began working in professional theater at the age of 18. He has 19 professional regional theater credits and Disney Cruise Line. He also works as a freelance singer who gigs with independent as well as global theme park acapella groups. Maddie Inslee is a professional ballet trainee who is currently getting a BFA in ballet from Point Park University. Maddie entered the Orlando Ballet Pre-Professional full-time program at the age of 12. From ages 15 to 18, she danced three summers with Atlanta Ballet during their summer intensives. Two of those summers, she landed a coveted spot in their professional camp, performing repertoire of the Atlanta Ballet Company. You can find out more about my guests on their respective websites linked to the details section of this podcast. Tip number one. Don't rely on loyalty or favoritism. The creative team does not owe you a favor for doing a great job in previous productions. The producer's next production may require different casts and different members of the artistic team. Start with a zero balance at every audition where no one owes anyone anything. Chris, Tell us what you know about that. Well, having worked for years in certain areas, I know a lot of people uh, both have uh, in working working relationships and also personally or socially. And so they come into the audition and we're all excited to see each other and all that. And they do a great job and then they don't get a call back. Um, and they, I think people can be a little perplexed by that. But even though we know each other and even have worked together, we're casting a specific show that has specific requirements and it may not require what that person has to offer. It doesn't mean that we wouldn't love to have them or won't work with them again later, but for that particular project, that's not it. And I think adding on to that, you know, when they say it's about who you know in this business, which is, is true, you know, a lot of it is your connections and your contacts that you make. But um, it's who you know when they need to know you, when they need you, and not necessarily uh, when you need it and in, that, in whatever moment you want, you know, right then. It's, it's you know, knowing people when they can call you when they need you. Right, exactly. Maddie, how about you? For ballet, it's definitely different because going into the audition, they want to know what you can do and how well you can execute your technique and any ballet that they put on or contemporary works, they want to know if you can do it. That's Mm -hmm. their main goal is the product. I think you should not go into an audition process or any audition really expecting to get anything Mm -hmm. because you never know what they want at that exact moment because you're not in their brain. So you just have to go in with an open mind. 
when I coach people, a lot of times I will have people in follow-up sessions after they've auditioned for something significant and they have been cast by that casting director before and they've been in other productions by the same production company and they're upset and they take it personally because they didn't get a call back or they didn't get what they thought they should get and there is this sense of entitlement and I always say you're using a personal instrument but don't take it personally hmm. um, because and we you'll hear this throughout this podcast and other podcasts that I have I will say a show or any production is a recipe and that recipe has very specific things it needs in order to have the final product and the final menu and you have to know exactly what ingredient you are and what you're bringing to that recipe. And although we're in there giving our heart out and it, as opposed to play, you can be nervous when you're playing an instrument, but the sound, you know, is not constructed from you. So you do tend to take it personally and same thing with dance, you're the instrument. Um, but you really can't take it personally because the producer's not trying to give you a job, they're trying to put up a production. Tip number two, your brilliant audition performance does not guarantee you a callback, even though you may have just had the best audition of your entire career. The lack of a callback is not a comment on your performance. It simply means you are not needed for this particular recipe. Try to think of auditioning, rehearsing, and production in terms of shopping and preparing a special dinner. You need to purchase specific ingredients so that the menu turns out to be exactly what you have planned once you have finished the cooking process. Know which ingredient you are and in which recipe you belong. Who wants to comment on that one? Well, I will, because in New York, you can go on up to 10 auditions in one week mm -hmm. and feel great about if it's a really good week, 80 to 90% of them, like you gave it your all, you went in and I view each audition as kind of a separate interview or job and I'm going to go in and put out what I have to offer and as long as I personally feel like I did my best uh, in that moment, uh, it's out of my control and I leave it, you know, with them and it's not always necessarily fruitful. Um, but as long as you view it as an individual kind of mini performance and you did your best, that's all you ever can do. And it's never a comment on whether or not you were good in your audition. It's just whether or not they needed you in that moment for what they're trying to cast. Chris, please speak to not everybody that auditions for you has an extremely high skill set. However, you may still have something for them in the show that you're about to do. Um, share with us about being included in the recipe and how sometimes not being as, as good as the person in front of you, who's maybe just you may think is fabulous, but you're perfect for the show, how they should feel about themselves or a situation like that. Well... I recently did a show that <clears throat> has was a big singing and dancing extravaganza and everybody's thinking, oh my God, there's so much dance in that and everybody's got to sing and all that. However, there was a role in that show that was an older character actor that didn't sing a note and didn't dance a step. 
And so we didn't see really any actors show up because the perception was, I'm not a singer, I'm not a dancer, why would I go audition for that show? But in many, many shows, there are roles in there that we need strong actors for. Um, and so we actually had to make a couple of contacts and bring people in to read for that one role. And even though that was a role that I think showed up in maybe three scenes, um, the character actor that we hired was so skilled at what he did that people loved him. He got mm -hmm. laughs every time he was on stage. So I think um, part of it's doing your research and knowing knowing the shows, but um, there's all I think there can always be a place for many many people in the complete recipe. Right. Uh, you may have a cup of sugar and a pinch of salt, but you have to have that pinch of salt or it's going to fall. So um, <laughs> you're welcome. But also, and then how funny is that 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 specific situation relates back to the first tip is that it's that uh, character actor you knew of that character actor mm -hmm. when you needed that character actor. Right. So you were able to contact him or her and call them in even uh -huh. though they didn't think they may not be right for it. Well, and that happens all the time. Also, you may show up at an audition for show A, and there's nothing, and the team is like, you know, we love them, but there's just nothing for them in this show. But three shows later, it's like, mm -hmm. oh, you know who'd be perfect for this? And, you know, so yeah. um, that happens like, all the time, too. And that is a tip that reoccurs and reoccurs <clears throat> in, in, in a lot of this material. So here's an interesting point, Madison Inslee. Mm -hmm. What about knowing your type in ballet? I'm mm -hmm. thinking you can get up on point shoes, you have the right <laughs> facility and the right physique for it, and you have the skill. Are there types in ballet? 100%. <laughs> um, what is that like? Describe yourself. I am 5'1". Yes. And and I look like I'm 12, yet I'm almost 20. So, I mean, there's that. So I would never be cast as a princess or why wouldn't fairy you cast godmother. A, why wouldn't you be a princess? Um, because your, your style is very princess-like. Yeah, but I don't look like one. Because? Because usually in ballets, the princess is really tall and leggy and has mature features mm -hmm. um like you would see like cinderella mm -hmm. you wouldn't think she's five one and has round a round face and big doe eyes <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, um so like i'd be more cast as like a a village girl you you and your coach katya garza used to talk about um you are peasant uh, a peasant. Mm -hmm. A peasant. So a princess, a peasant girl that turns into a princess because she marries royalty. Are you mm -hmm. that? Depends still <laughs> on whatever ballet it is. Because there's many ballets where a gypsy becomes royalty. Or is a gypsy that was royalty that goes back to royalty. <laughs> so it's a whole vicious <laughs> cycle. Um, I'm, a, I'm a perfect fairy. Okay. Because I'm pixie like I guess um so like I mean you can't I mean I've always wanted to be like a princess like who doesn't <laughs> so 
I mean, I but I don't go to, like, I'm not standing waiting at the casting board waiting to be like, oh, I'm going to be Aurora. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's just, just not going to happen. I'll be like Flora or Fauna or Mary, Miss Mary, May, whatever they're, they but, are fairies. Fairies. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'd be her fairy godmother or maybe not fairy godmother, but, or a, even a maid. Like, okay. I wouldn't necessarily be the main person in a princess fairy tale. All right. So you know what ingredient you are and what recipe you mm-hmm. belong in. Very good. <laughs> that was good. Tip number three. Relax and keep going. Your current booking success does not represent the fate of your career. Remove timelines for success. Your success happens when your talent and the right opportunity are at the same place at the same time. It's your journey. Stop comparing it to your perception of other people's success. Hmm. I know as someone related to everybody at this table that it's like just hush and keep going. Just keep walking forward. I think you and I can speak to decades of, (laughs) because we were young when we met each other. I think I'm the only one in this relationship that has changed and changed and changed and changed, has gone in so many different directions. Um, And you are a music director and you always have been. But we, we both know things that they don't know about our career and how things were going. And then we go a different direction. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we had had timelines on Ooh. our career, if we had put timelines on, I have to have this <laughs> and this has to happen, I would not have been in three national television shows, national commercials, none of that part, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if I had put a timeline on it. Right. And I think I just did something two weeks ago that nobody ever thought I would be doing again. <laughs> so um, there are no timelines. And when that came along and I actually booked it, I think my mouth hang up, hung open for a solid minute and a half before I said anything. So there are no timelines. You just keep, you just keep going. Right. And I think a reality of it that people don't realize until they're in it for at least a decade <laughs> is... Everything comes and goes in waves. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of people in New York have survival jobs, me included. And with the company I work for, uh, which is a catering company, there I work with people who have been on Broadway numerous times. And that ends. And mm-hmm. they, can't, they can't think that they're going to have a next job right away. And it's going to ebb and flow a little bit. And you can't just count on the past to give you something in the future and you can't and vice versa you can't think well I haven't had anything in the past so I'm not going to get anything in the future right a friend of mine got an off-Broadway show a very significant one and she was in her 40s and that was her first I may be lying that was her first job in New York and she'd been auditioning for a long time long enough to have a daughter in her teens Mm -hmm. if you happen to have children that's going to change your timeline as well especially if you're in a traditional sense and one person in that couple is going to have the child um, which is not necessarily the case but if someone chooses to be pregnant and have a child that's going to put something mm-hmm. in it too mm-hmm. you're you're nodding and agreeing and understanding what do you think well because I lived it with you <laughs> um, but um, it's been interesting with 
my career because, I mean, I'm a musician, a pianist, an organist. You always work. And yeah. I always, yeah, yeah, I we always know. have something to do. But <laughs> the philosophy in our house has long been that, talking about what Nick said, um, when the phone rings, you say yes, because there are long periods of time when the phone doesn't ring. Um, but I think just doing something my wife told me many years ago, oh, just Lord. do what's in front of you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that goes back to, and I recently shared this, I think, with you, that my organ professor in college um, said, how do you become a professional musician? You play every time you're asked. And it's just taking advantage of those opportunities and moving forward. And you don't know when you book a job at the Granbury Opera House who you're going to be working with and where they may go mm-hmm. in the future and where those paths may cross again and and you reconnect and move even for, farther forward. And likewise, you work with so many people, you don't know what kind of effect you're going to have on them. Mm-hmm as well when jobs come up and they that person comes to your mind and like oh this they'd be a great director or this one be a good choreographer for that or whatever so do what's in front of you and keep moving forward and yes sometimes and there were times that I said I'm going to quit this and go sell insurance <laughs> But I did. Yeah, I was there. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we have a close friend who she is a powerhouse and went to, you know, a great uh through through a B, great BFA program, prestigious one, and we thought she was going to be fast tracked to Broadway the second she went to New York. Mm-hmm. And I remember having a conversation with her, and I'd been I'd been working regionally, and she hadn't, and she said I haven't had a call back. In two years. I have or haven't? Have not. Okay. Had a call back in two years. But she's been in for some big stuff, but nothing further. Yeah, big and stuff. And then all of a sudden book Kennedy Center. Yeah. Right. You know, so, right. and she just kept at it and kept going. Yeah. yeah. Very good. Mm-hmm. Now, Maddie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Maddie is a classical ballet dancer mm-hmm. and started as a pre-professional with Orlando Ballet and in trainee <laughs> programs and the like. Um... And I know you struggle with your journey. Mm -hmm. And you're 19, and your journey has taken, you had the option to take a ballet contract or go to a prestigious ballet dance school and get a BFA in ballet. And you chose the degree and immediately assumed it was the wrong path. As far as journeys go, do you feel like you're on the right one? Um, I think so. I'm definitely learning a lot more than I would have just staying in a ballet company like I get to do more styles of dance that I never got to do before I get to study musical theater which I've done kind of but not as thoroughly as I am now so that's fun have we seen when we watch your video Maddie's videos have we seen that this journey that she didn't anticipate taking has benefited her uh mm-hmm. big time not the same dancer at all. Better? Oh, or better okay. and, and more diverse. <laughs> yes. Which is Mark, more marketable. Yeah. Mm. More marketable. In the long haul. <laughs> yeah, in the long haul. So, yes, you just do what's in front of you and you embrace what you can embrace mm-hmm. with it because I think at that school there's some things you can embrace that you didn't quite were able to in the professional ballet companies. The competition was very stiff, and mm-hmm. um, rightly so. It's a tough field, mm-hmm. and it requires mm-hmm. a heightened skill set. But you are 
appreciated, I think, in a way that you had to get you you weren't and you have to get used to. Yeah, appreciated differently. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very cool. Tip number four. Invest and trust in who you really are. Trying to change who you really are in order to book a show will not work to your advantage. If your character type is that of an antagonist, chances are you will not book roles for ingenues. Know the show or, quote, product you are auditioning for and select appropriate material. Creative teams need to see if your ingredient is part of their recipe. If it is not, don't try to change who you are just to get cast. Be yourself and your character-specific work will be remembered for future contracts. I think the biggest wake-up call that this tip has is realizing that it's show business, (laughs) not show business. And meaning, meaning, you are in. It's a business. It's a business. They have to make money. They have to make money, and whether it is a big production contract Broadway show or. Even an artsy, you know, out-of-the-box, black-box show or, or whatever it is, they're still in the business to make a profit. And, and non-profit does not mean not making a profit. Exactly. It just means you can't put it in your pocket. And they're going to need who they need, and you need to be who you are. And know who you are, so that you as well can make a profit for yourself. <laughs> and if you try to be something that you're not, chances are you're not going to make a career out of this business. So as long as you're willing to enjoy who you are in the business and learn how to love that and to embrace that and to grow with that and heighten that, then you can have a successful career. Yes. And I have to say, as a professional coach, my studio is filled with professionals. I do have people that are just starting, but the majority of the people are professionals. How many times I have to softly encourage someone to embrace who they really are Mm -hmm. and label themselves, and that sounds negative in, in the box and square and limiting, but when someone's looking for what they need, you're part of it. It's right. clear. Um, and that is very important. It's a business. And people who are in the business of creating, even if money isn't the issue, you want it to be good. And you just want it to be good. And being good is making the right choices. And the way to make right choices is to be clear about who that talent is that's out there. Tip number five. Purge, snark, and harsh criticism. It boomerangs. Support any and all performers who have the courage to stand up and perform anywhere. Being overly critical, publicly or in the privacy of your thoughts, can develop into personal insecurities when it is your turn to perform. You will not be able to escape the concept that others will be as critical of you as you are of them. Lighten up and celebrate effort. I think everyone struggles with this. <coughs> yes, how so? Because it is so easy 
to criticize someone else's performance. Yes. I'll go to Broadway shows with people who will just immediately want to rip into someone's performance. And I, and I do usually turn to them and go, hmm, and, and what are you doing for your day job? <laughs> you know? Uh, and I think even if you view it as energy and philosophical and putting that out into the world mm-hmm. is, you know, embrace those people who are performing and doing what they love and what they want to do on whatever level it is. And if you put that out in the world, eventually it'll come back to you. Mm-hmm. I see it all the time when I coach. I may have someone in front of me that I don't know very well. And I have to say that everybody is on their best behavior when they come here. And they're saying the right things and they're doing the right things. But it doesn't take me long to hear them say something that's a little catty, a little snarky. And I have to say that a lot of people are highly critical of success. Mm-hmm. If someone is crazy successful, especially in theater, you've got to find something wrong with them. Or if a show is crazy successful and you can't get tickets to it, and they do, there's going to be something that's not quite right with that. So I think that's an internal thing with jealousy or envy. But um, success tends to be something that um, people are very snarky about however when you do say it i think we all think it there's no we're human there's no way you are going to be jealous and you're going to covet and the one thing i say in this house while i was raising my kids is you're going to be jealous but tell that person congratulations Mm -hmm. get it out Mm -hmm. you have three hours get it all all out you have a day Mm -hmm. but you have to walk up to them and say congratulations yeah or if someone is really talented and they're a nasty person and you think you have a right not to like them but they are so talented and marketable they get everything you still have for your own sake have got to tell that person congratulations but also my thing is when people criticize others that are either on stage or not cast in something, whatever. It's, they, you can't, they criticize them or are mad at them, but it's like, it's not their fault that they're good at what they do. <laughs> they're right? good, and there's, even if they're the worst person ever or they're not the most talented person, but they get cast, there's a reason that they were cast in that. And they didn't cast themselves. They didn't well, cast they, themselves. Yeah. That's it's, what I was, that's where I was going to go, Maddie, with yeah. that, is I always tell my students, that you can be upset and you can be sad mm-hmm. and you can be broken hearted if there's two or three people up for the same role mm-hmm. only one person can get the role and you can be disappointed because you really wanted it but you can't be mad at the person that got the role because they didn't walk up and say to the director I'm doing this role right. <laughs> the director right. cast them I have seen so many people who were hypercritical and then when they got in stage on stage they were just overcome with fear because the entire time they were on stage rather than just letting go and doing their performance it was their thoughts were consumed with what is the audience thinking about me so and so's out there what are they thinking about Mm -hmm. me and it is directly because Mm -hmm. they judged everybody that walked through the door Mm -hmm. and so they think Everybody is doing that because they do it. 
And it boomerangs, and that is where I was headed to as well. I see in the studio people who are really talented. And as far as I know, they're nice people. But when it comes time, the anxiety that comes over them and everything we have put together starts to crumble. Mm -hmm. It never Mm -hmm. fails. I find out over time that it's a person Mm -hmm. that sits and just tears down everything they watch. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. they just make fun of things. Mm -hmm. And that's the boomerang I'm talking about. Now, if that's something you happen to do, you can shed it. It takes time. But the one thing that does fix that, and it's one thing that I always try to tell the kids, go tell that person you're having a hard time with, congratulations. Yes, (laughs) go tell them, congratulations. And it's amazing. That's almost like medicine. It does start to help it. So, yes, purge that snark and criticism and just celebrate. Even when you think people don't deserve it, celebrate them. Tip number six. Resist asking for audition feedback from a casting director who is not offering it. Most of the time, we are really just asking them to explain why they didn't cast us. In that instance, you are not likely going to get a satisfying answer. Regularly invest in professional coaching and trust their guidance. This is something I see a lot. I will coach somebody for an audition. They go to the audition. They don't get a call back. And they want to email the casting director Mm-mm. at a global theme park in New York, in California. They will want to email them and ask them for feedback. And I am constantly, constantly saying, no, 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 no. There is nothing, absolutely nothing they can say that is going to satisfy you. Because what you really want to know is why the heck didn't you cast me? Mm-hmm. And I think plainly, that's not their job. True. You know, mm-hmm. their job isn't to give you feedback. Their job mm-hmm. is to cast a show. Right. And with that last thing, you know, invest in professional coaching and trust their guidance. That's where your feedback comes from. And those are the people that should be trained on how to give feedback. Mm-hmm. Because if you ask these casting directors to give you feedback... People don't know how to give the correct feedback that right. won't mm-hmm. destroy you. Right, you know? because right. usually the reason you're not casting somebody is definitely something you don't want to have a conversation about. Right. I don't want to have a conversation... That you're a tomato and not a carrot. Right, and you know, why tomatoes... For the recipe. Why, thank you. Why? <laughs> you know? That's better. Anybody else? Well, I was just thinking, <laughs> first of all, you just don't do that. Second of all... <laughs> If you get an answer, it could be a complete lie just to shut you up and give you an answer. Or they can chew you up and spit you out and you'll be one of those people going, I need to go sell insurance. I'm never doing this again. The only other side of that is there are moments where you get to a certain level and a certain uh, uh, time in the process where you will get feedback. Yeah. Because it's yeah. you and two other people. Right. And right. it may not even be feedback directly to you. It could be through your agent or whatever. And you will eventually get your feedback. Your agent's going to give you feedback. Right. But it's not your job to seek it out from the casting director. Right. If they offer it, great. Right. Um, but other than that, just let it be. You could also become that person that the next time you audition for that casting director, 
he or she's going to say, oh my God, there's that one that hammered me about not casting him. And they've written you off before you open your mouth. When the project is big and a lot of money is involved, some agents will call the casting team or the production team and say, how did they do? Mm-hmm. Because it's at a time where only two people are coming in for this prime real estate of a role. And the agent wants to know, did I send the right person? Right. So it's coming. Stay away from the casting director. Get a coach. Get a voice teacher. Get an acting coach. Get whatever you need. And go in with the right stuff so there's really nothing negative to talk about. And get used to the idea that you might not be called back or cast. And it has nothing to do with your level of talent or marketability. Tip number seven. Know the details of what you are supposed to do while you are in the audition room. Learn how to speak to the accompanist and the creative team. Also, be respectful, kind, and efficient. Learn what good manners are and how to appear calm and confident without arrogance. Yes. <laughs> yes, Maddie. <laughs> um, I know from both sides what... Both sides of what? ballet and musical theater of what being arrogant and what being confident and arrogant being confident in just yourself as a person Mm -hmm. also even outside of the audition room too when you're sitting waiting to go in (laughs) you want to stay away from people talking arrogantly or talking about like how many shows you've already done at this place or talking about other performers that have been there before or just talking bragging. bad about people or bragging about yourself or, you know, like it's just, or commenting on other people's headshots or resumes or whatever. It's just stay in your own space. And when you're talking to like casting directors and your accompanist, like knowing how to talk to your accompanist is big because you, they're the one playing your music. You don't want them to <laughs> do anything. Do, right. You don't want to make them angry. Um, <laughs> But with ballet, too, or any dance, like modern jazz, doesn't matter. Like, in an audition room, there are certain ways to act because we don't talk mm-hmm. or anything. And you want to be seen and you, you know, want, you know, you everyone wants to be in the front so everyone, so that they get a chance to see you. But there's a way of going about that. You don't want to be that person that shoves her way, his or her way to the front mm-hmm. or is... um talks just out loud during the audition just to get attention from Mm -hmm. somebody Mm -hmm. or you know I've also seen people correcting choreographers on counts when it's their piece oh because they're like no but you said that was on seven like it's like okay no no that's not (laughs) you know you don't want to come across as that person you just need to do what you need to do Mm -hmm. in to get through the audition and to backtrack, you brought up a very good point, uh, which I think is, or should be an addition to number seven, is know the details of what you're supposed to do while you are in and outside of the audition room. Oh, yes, because that, that comes up in, in another podcast. Um, I had a network casting director and a theatrical casting director give me some tips to in each subject and that is something that they say and I know I used to do it too or would hold the 
prop the door open while people were in my green room and listen to what was going on. But they asked their monitors, mm-hmm. did you have any problem mm-hmm. with anybody? All the time. All the time. I've Who, seen it. Yeah, and you yeah. ask the same question. Yeah. One thing that you do, you even go on Facebook while they're auditioning. So, by the way, and I tell everybody this, when you see someone pick up a phone during your audition, that is not a bad thing. They're trying to see if you have a website, trying to see what you have publicly, not that they're trying to catch you at anything. They mm-hmm. just want to see if you have a presence. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, I, and I know you used to say, I wish people would stop putting kitty cats as their profile picture. <laughs> uh, that's what you're talking about. I'm on Facebook. Yes, I will look up people, especially if I like them. Yes. Right. I'll look up their profile and see, just just have another look and plant, get it planted in my brain. And do bit. I know someone they yeah. know? And I was right. at, uh, like a year ago, I was at a um, talk back with some, all the top casting directors <clears throat> in New York City. <clears throat> and they talked about how important it is to have a social media or internet presence of some sort. Website mm-hmm. would be preferred. Positive. Positive, of course. <laughs> but um, to have that because New York is full of people that they don't know. Mm-hmm. And it is the quickest and easiest way for them to find out about someone and how you are as a person and how to work, how they can work mm-hmm. with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Those mutual Without friends. even calling you back first. Right. Yeah. And it is the most important thing that you can have. And so whether or not they're on their own Facebook or send a text message or whatever, view it as a positive thing when they pick up their phone or, or go on their computer. Oh. Always. And I, 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 I text have, people, do you know this person? I have yeah. done that too in auditions. I would text somebody that I saw that they worked with and it's like, how are they? They're great. Or had a great audition. How are they to work with? And react, you know, often. you're in the room, so don't scoff that they're, right. you know, scoff that they're on their Facebook or, or on their computer. You know, you, mm-hmm. you don't know mm-hmm. what they're doing. Yeah, and that brings up something once you're in the room that I was thinking about as, as both of y'all were talking um entering the room now i've been a teacher for a long time and a musical director for a very long time and so i have had former students show up at big auditions that i've done and they have actually said when i go in there can i act like i know you and it's like well yes i mean just be yourself be positive don't be overblown um on the other side of that i have had people come in and they were already performing when they came in. Hi, how are you? Oh, it's great to see you. And it's like nobody in the room knows who they are, but they're way over the mm-hmm. top, almost wanting to give you a hug. And it's like, I don't know you. Don't touch anybody. Go up on the stage. <laughs> right. Thank you. I mean, it's just don't weird. Touch, don't um, t- and by the way, don't touch your accompanist when you're talking yeah, to them. Oh, yeah, that's, that's creepy. Yeah, don't As touch As an accompanist, anybody. that's very creepy. Um, so... Just knowing proper behavior and proper decor. And all that you can learn with a coach, with someone. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. With, you, right. Know, you can go through scenarios. I know even like in high school we did you know, run-throughs of just how to walk in the room, talk mm-hmm. to the companist, mm-hmm. and then leave the room. You didn't even do anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and that can be uh, just as important as your talent. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I've had people in here that have been working 15 to 20 years, and I hear what they have said when they were in the room in New York. And... I was horrified, oh. almost to the point. It's like you can take my from your name. studio, not this table. Right? No, no, <laughs> like, wait. no, no, from the studio. <laughs> like, what I say? Like, you can take my name off your resume, please. Mm-hmm. Did you really say that? Um, so even if you don't know what good manners are, I do. <laughs> or unsure, if you're unsure of what they should be. And I mean, I think mo- some people don't know that they don't have good manners, so practice anyway even if you think you have them talk to somebody 
about manners, what good manners are, and know when to leave. Mm. And I never thought I'd have to say this, know when to not leave. They brought that up at that Mm. same casting seminar. If you haven't been dismissed, as awkward as you feel, don't leave. And if they intended to dismiss you, and you're still standing there, and they look at you like, oh, you're still here? They're going to say something, whether they are rude or polite. You go, thank you, Mm -hmm. and leave the room. But usually when you haven't been dismissed, and they're talking like you're not there, they're talking about you and your future employment. So get as comfortable as possible. I did have to, someone texted me after an audition in New York, and they were talking about her. And she got so uncomfortable standing there that she said, okay, bye, and left. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think things could have gone differently about being cast in that show, that Mm -hmm. Broadway show, Mm -hmm. um, if she hadn't gone, okay, all right, bye. Because it was just very uncomfortable (laughs) that she was still standing there and didn't have anybody to talk to. and. Mm-hmm. You know. mm-hmm. um, I guess you can go over to the accompanist and say, thank you so much. That was very nice. You and know, just to kill some time. Mm-hmm. And right. if it goes on, you can, can kind of linger around the piano. Don't check your phone. Well, and depending on the demeanor of the accompanist, that can be the person. I mean, you can say, do I go? And they may say, no, hang out a little bit. Tip number eight. Embrace roles beyond the lead roles. Be open to supporting roles. Great productions require a variety of character types with varying stage time and prominence. Embrace the role that is meant for your character type. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think the, it might be comical, but a lot of better roles are supporting Mm -hmm. roles anyway. Mm -hmm. And when it, when, you get to a point where it does become a business and it's a job, uh, still one you really enjoy, but it's okay if you have your big number and then you get to go to your dressing room and read for an hour <laughs> and then go back out and, you know, have your funny comedic scene. Right. Like, that's an okay thing to have right. and right. still collect the similar check. Like, right. it's, you know, that that's kind of the a business, you know, way to look at it. But um, you can find better meteor roles that are supporting right they don't always have to be the lead and more interesting the one thing i run up against is um is explaining the roles that aren't the lead roles so sometimes i wonder if the lead roles are are all anyone knows in the show Mm. um i do know that fantasy is attached to show business a lot it's in its dream state for some people and they just they want to be Cinderella that that it's attached to that sort of thing and they haven't even considered the role but usually when I'm coaching and someone still holds real tight to but I'm supposed to be in rent and supposed to be Roger um what I say is because they're professionals they're working do you want to work or pursue this role and that sounds really cold, but sometimes it does it's, come down to that. It's right. the truth. I'm, yeah, you know. do you want to work? Um, you're probably going to get called back for this and this. 
so why don't we learn it? You mm-hmm. know, that sort of thing. Save it for your car or your shower. That's what I do. <laughs> Save it for your car or for shower. the car or the shower. When, you <laughs> when, wanna thi- when I want to sing Cinderella, I sing it in the shower and the <laughs> or car. Or your cabaret. <laughs> right, or your cabaret. Yeah, or your exactly. Cabaret. Exactly. Yes. I do know that I've coached, at some point I've coached all my kids, all you guys, and that has been my message to you from the very beginning. I don't even think I let you think otherwise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, here's who you are. Y'all embraced it pretty well. And I think I, I mean, I'm lucky enough, I enjoy the roles that I play and will mm-hmm. play. Um, and I think finding that embracing that and just finding the joy in what you get to do mm-hmm. helps yeah tip number nine be honest about your dance ability assess your dance level based on professional dance standards the dance audition or choreography rehearsal is not the place to learn how to do dance steps that belongs in a dance class Get comfortable with how you rank against professional dancers. When the question is asked of you, it means the casting team is interested in you and they need an honest answer. Their job accuracy depends on your honesty. Stretching the truth for fear of missing out will decrease the ability of the casting team to do the job they would like to do. Be honest. Don't be that person that throws a wrench in the process. You're looking at me. This is suspiciously quiet. Uh, We have two veteran performers here with very different dance ability. Yes. Now, Nick is an excellent tapper, and I would consider him an advanced tapper if I was Mm. sitting behind the table. Um, Maddie does not tap. Um, She's great at ballet and jazz. And, and I you, can you, do it, but not to that level. Mover. But not to that level. Right. So, you are at a New York audition, and you've just sung. Uh-huh. And they say to you, Nick, how's your dance? Usually what I do is I list things I can do. Mm. And let them decide where that puts me in what their show's dance ability is going to be. Mm-hmm. I will either do that, or if it is a tap show I'm auditioning for, or a show that may have tap in it, they'll say, how's your tap? Like, uh, for Book of Mormon, for example. Mm-hmm. They'll say, how's your tap? And I will say, I'm intermediate, thinking Broadway dance standards. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've done 42nd Street, so I will list a show or an experience I've had that will give them an idea with original choreography choreography, I do say that and that gives them an idea of where I am so even if I'm either putting myself above or below what they think they can kind of gauge it themselves without me pigeonholing myself Mm -hmm. as well okay that's good that's good Mm -hmm. what do you say Mr. Ensley well I mean I in this family I am the least dancer <laughs> of everybody. <laughs> However, I've, done, I've seen a lot of auditions, um, and the thing that I keep noticing is is where you said be honest about your dance ability. I have been to so many auditions, and they would say, 
do you consider yourself a dancer or a oh yeah yeah you know because I who's want saying that the, you you the you on the, on the artistic side yeah. and the person auditioning says yeah. yes yes okay and and then you know and they'll say it because they want to be positive and they'll be like yeah I can do this and whatever but then. I have seen so many times a choreographer say, oh, great, can you show me some pullbacks? Or can you do a triple time step for me? And the the horror that goes over their face because really they've just lied and mm. they can't do it. And they'll, they'll try to get out of it by saying something like, um, oh, you know, I'm not real familiar with that terminology. If you can show it to me, you know, they'll try to right. work around it. Right. But sometimes they're just terrified because they don't know. And that does a whole lot more harm than just saying, no, tap's not my thing. Or, you know, I've had some dance training 15 years ago in junior high school, but, you know, that's it. just be honest about it. Yeah, yeah. I was in my <clears throat> 40s, and I was at an audition. It was a callback. I was, let me repeat, I was in my 40s. <laughs> and I'm out of my 40s now, but I was in my 40s in four-inch heels, and a suit at a callback and I sang the callback material they asked me to sing two more things from the book and the director said are you a dancer now I was a dancer 20 years prior to that day and I said I was decades ago and my figure at the time it was obvious I wasn't a dancer. Um, and he said, what kind of dancer? And I said, that was my primary skill. And he said, all right, I want to see a back pot of beret and a triple pirouette. <laughs> now, I was horrified because I was 45 years old. And I was like... How's this gonna go? <laughs> I'm where I knew I could do it, but I had on four and a half inch heels, and so I was like, "All right, sure," mm-hmm. and I did. And the grace of God and the miracle, <laughs> miracle of miracles, I did it, and it was smooth and it was gorgeous. And he goes, "Oh, you weren't kidding. You really are a dancer." And I just kind of smiled <laughs> awkwardly and said, "What?" was <laughs> I'm very amazed that that just happened but yeah um I feel like that experience was a little bit on the edge of being humiliating just let me answer the question I didn't say I was but don't lie Mm-mm. it'll be yeah. obvious and then yeah. it can it can hinder you especially when you're in a place like New York or even like Orlando or LA or areas where you're going to see the same people over and over and over again, it's going to hinder you in future work too. Right. And here's the thing that people don't think about. It makes the artistic team uncomfortable. Yeah. Yes. You know, it's like you think the talent that's auditioning is horrified because they've now been shown that, but it makes all of us feel real uncomfortable because we know that you lied. They, you lied, and now we all have to like yeah. look at you mm-hmm. and try to be nice as you, as you leave the room. Right? Yes, it's awkward. Yeah, and I think that's one of the main things about an audition room you don't want to create is don't make it awkward. And I'm going to interject this right here too. We haven't said this at all in this whole thing. The 
artistic team wants you to be fabulous. Wants you to succeed. We want you to be good because we have a show to cast and put together and put up, and we want the best people in our show. So literally, it's not a, we want you to be awful so we can humiliate you. We want everybody that walks through the door to be great so we have some choices. And for them to feel good about what they're doing. I know when I'm behind the table, that's what I want. Come in, do your thing, Mm -hmm. feel good about what you're doing. Therefore, come in with material you've performed before and you're rehearsed. I always say that your audition should look like the opening night of your show. Not the rehearsal process, but the opening night of your show. And I just want you to leave with your dignity. and So don't lie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and do something, you know, I don't care if it's not in the genre. I asked you to sing for this audition. Sing something you know that's close enough. Right. I'm not going right. to wag my finger and go, you didn't you know, just be great. I can tell what you can do. But yes, right. auditioners want the auditionees to succeed and feel good about what they're doing and come back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tip number 10. Audition with material that is prepared and well rehearsed. Don't take new material to an initial audition. You want your audition to resemble a polished, one-person show. Present to the audition team what your work looks like after rehearsal. Let's talk about people who come in with new material. With Can you tell when someone's auditioning with something they've never sung with? Oh, yeah. How? Because they're going, I mean... They're going to go up somehow. Oh, going up meaning forgetting the yeah. lyrics or the melody. The line. lyrics or the melody. Um, sometimes they'll start singing, but they have not sung with the accompaniment that of that music. They've just sung along with a recording, and it's in a different key. And so they're singing in two different keys. Your music needs to be very comfortable for you in just second nature because the nerves will take over. Mm-hmm. And if you have... Perform this, done it for a competition, whatever. Anyway, you're comfortable with it. Your muscle memory is going to kick in, mm-hmm. and then you're going to be able to get through it. And perform. Um, but if you if you're struggling trying to remember the lyrics or the words or the rhythms or whatever, it's going to be a disaster, especially when the nerves kick in, and they will. Um, and I see it more in younger auditioners. Then I, you know, I always love it when these these seasoned people come in with their books and they're like, "Oh, that was great! Have you got a something something?" And they're like, "Yeah, let's see!" And they come over the piano and they're flipping through their books and it's great, you know, because they're doing material they've done for years. Oh, and by the way, I do see the same people audition over the course of a season or two. I don't remember what they did the last time they were there. So, so they can you can it. show up and do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I might go, huh, that sounds familiar. But I really don't remember. I see so many people, mm-hmm. what they did at the, the last time I saw them. At, so it's such as it's theater. So it's okay. And I think a lot of people, hopefully you've, done, you've been to an audition and you've done something you know well and is well rehearsed. So take a step back and think about the journey you went through learning the lyrics, learning the music, listening to the recording, and then hearing just a piano and how different it is. 
do you want to go through that entire journey <laughs> in the room in a minute and a half <laughs> in front of strangers you do not know that are or people you do know or people you do know yeah. especially and yeah. that are going that are hope that want to employ you I would not want to go through all of that mm-hmm. in a minute and a half mm-hmm. right then and there I'm, I meet people that think that that is the process until I say your, your audition really should look like you look after you've gone through the entire rehearsal period of a show. Mm-hmm. The casting director doesn't need to see what you, need, what you look like in the process. They want to see what you... They have a job to do. And they need to pass someone on to the production team. They're not casting the show. But they need to pass someone on to the production team... That when they sing in front of them, the production team, the artistic team, whoever it is, is going to see what you look like on opening night. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're given callback material, guess what? <clears throat> you need to learn it. You have to mm-hmm. learn it. And um, I had someone in the studio about a week or two ago, and I said, I have the callback material for that show. Do you want to go over it? And she hadn't gone to her initial audition yet and she said i don't want to cheat no 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 (laughs) that is research no 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 yes exactly it's research and when you think about going to the callback you're welcome to have the material in your hand but when someone doesn't you're ready to explode with excitement you know, and they get you know, and they're doing their thing. Mm-hmm. The they need to see see acting, and I think the same thing goes for dance as well. You don't have the audition material ahead of time, and you don't know what's coming at you. But when you're in ballet, you know you know step you know the entire ballet catalog, mm-hmm. and by the time you go to an audition, you need to be able to string all those things together. Yeah. Not struggling with the steps. Right. All my teachers used to say, she's like, they always say, you're here practicing plies and tendus to do more plies and tendus for the rest of your life. <laughs> yes. And so when you're, in, when you're in an audition, you have to show the team that's watching you what you're going to look like on opening night of The Nutcracker or Cinderella or... Mm-hmm. Romeo and Juliet. Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> Anything. Yes. So how... Have you been to auditions where you've seen dancers that weren't ready for that process? Yes. They're usually younger. Because mm-hmm. by the time you're 12, 13, and you're auditioning for summer intensives... What's, just... a, what's a summer intensive? A summer intensive is a, like, is a ballet boot camp for five weeks. A professional boot yes, camp. Yes, a professional boot camp for five weeks where you can... You can go anywhere in the country, even out of the country. To a company. To a company. Yeah. And um, and you learn, <clears throat> you gain more skills because you're intense doing ballet for five weeks okay. every day, all mm-hmm. day, every day. So um, by the time you're 12, 13, you're starting to audition for those. So If you've been dancing how long? Um, I guess by then, 10 years. Wow. <laughs> well i had been dancing for 10 years by that point you didn't have a choice you didn't have a choice no, no but I, did, I didn't want to hire a babysitter and you just went to class with me <laughs> yeah so i mean like even oh okay we could broaden that we could say by the time you're 15 and you're auditioning for contracts 
mm-hmm. you you usually know the whole ballet catalog by then. Mm-hmm. So when you're auditioning, they just want to see if you can do it. And, and your you performance can, level. Yeah, and your performance level. Sometimes they'll ask you to perform something. Um, usually a variation of your choosing just mm-hmm. to see how you execute and how you perform. And sometimes they'll ask you to come to their company's class just to see if you can keep up with their dancers mm-hmm. and if you're comfortable and you can, can perform. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the part I'm getting to as well that I say a lot is your audition needs to be a performance, not just a sing through. Mm-hmm. It needs to be a performance, a full on performance. Um, because when you're behind the table and we've seen, you want to know what's going to happen. <laughs> you know, you want to mm-hmm. see in this mm-hmm. person. And it doesn't even mean be mistake free. I'm saying that all the time. I said, yeah. I prefer people to make mistakes, not to humiliate them, just to see what that does to their performance. I, it does not offend me if you go up on your road words really quickly, but if you can spiral out of that and get past it and move on to the point that I, the audience member, don't, I don't even remember that you messed that up or care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because in a live performance, there are going to be mistakes here and there. You know, <laughs> yes, yeah. it's live. Yeah, you get through it. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for this. This has been fantastic. Thank you. thank you for your input. And I look forward to having more discussions with you on another podcast. Decode the Secrets to Your Success is a production of the Musical Theater Codex Studio. The series was written by me, Anita Inslee, with editorial support by Chris Inslee. You can find more about this topic on our website, which is www.musicaltheatercodex.com. That is theater with an E-R, not R-E. www.musicaltheatercodex.com.